Amen. All right. So today we are finishing up a series on eternity. If you haven't been here, we've been talking about it for the last uh, two weeks and we've had a great response from it so far. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to join us in celebration as a church. In the last two weeks, we've had over nine people respond and commit to Christ either for the first time, their life to Christ for the first time, or the tenth time. It doesn't matter. They're responding to Christ right now. And I want to celebrate that with you guys because God is doing a great work in and amongst your and in amongst our church. So give God a round of applause on that. So the scriptures say that the angels in heaven rejoice when one person turns their life back to Christ. And so we celebrate that. That's, that gets us excited as a church. It should get you excited today because if you're not excited yet, that's what the whole message is about this morning is how this message should transform us into the likeness of who Christ is and what he's doing in our lives and how this eternity series is going to change our lives when we walk out those doors. For the last two weeks, Matt's been doing an incredible job on sharing with us what is heaven and what is hell and, and what does it, why does it matter in light of eternity and, and answering those questions. And, and he's gone through it in incredible ways. And if you have not been here, all right, I strongly encourage you, go to the info.bar, shameless plug, the info.bar, download it onto your phones and scroll down, click on watch message and go back and watch it because I'm going to be sharing a lot from what he shared from the last two weeks. All right? Now, it doesn't mean that you, don't, you aren't going to get anything out of it today. Um, it just might help explain some of the points that I'm going to allude to today. So if you go away from it wondering, like, what's he talking about with what Matt said? Uh, just go to the... There you go. See, you got it. And then scroll down, watch message. You got it. All right. Shameless plug, subliminal message. Go to the info.bar. All right. Today, we're going to answer the question, eternity, and why does it matter today? Why does it matter for me today? How is it going to change my life? When I exit those doors, how is, he go how is eternity going to impact me in Huntersville, North Carolina, or wherever you live right now, today? And so the bottom line of the question that Matt's been asking throughout this series has been this one. What you believe about eternity, what you believe about eternity determines how you're going to live today, all right? And we really believe that. If what we believe about eternity was really sealed up in our hearts, we wholeheartedly believe it would change the way that we live and breathe each and every day we get up, all right? Now, Matt went through and he, he shared a lot of information. I'm not going to go through all of it. I'm going to give you a really brief recap. So those of you that were here, it'll remind you of it. Those of you that weren't, I'll tell you where we, the kind of the pillars of the last messages um, that I want to build upon today, okay? And so one of the slides that Matt had was helping us understand what happens when we die. And, and just to start off with a little bit of morbidity this morning, um, y'all are going to die at some point in time. Now, you don't know when, none of us do, but the reality, the only way off this planet is death, all right? Now, we could either fear it or we can embrace it. I'm much more on the side of embracing it rather than fearing it. And the reason why is because of what we've been talking about the last two weeks. If you fear death, you really need to go back and watch the last two weeks, all right? So our physical bodies are going to die, guaranteed, no questions asked. Once that happens, the soul continues to live and went on to explain how humans are the only ones that have the soul that is going to continue to go on and live for eternity, okay? And then because of that, all souls face judgment, all right? And Matt did a great job on talking about heaven and hell. So the great white throne is for non-believers. That's hell, all right? And then the judgment seat of Christ is for believers 
That's heaven, all right? So if you want to go back and hear about how Matt explained each one of these points, you've got to go back and watch it. But this is what we're building upon, the fact that all souls are going to die and face some form of judgment. Okay, keep going. He also shared with us four basic, uh, four other pillars that I'm going to be building on this morning. And the first one was heaven is the eternal reward for believers. And in that message, he also talked about this other idea that there are other rewards that we receive. Now certainly heaven is a big reward, right? Would you all agree? Like, hey, I get to go to heaven. That's a big deal. But there's more rewards than that that God has in store for us. So we, we're going to build upon this idea that heaven is the ultimate reward for those who choose to follow Christ. That's why we just celebrated the nine that chose to follow Christ. All right, Their eternal reward is now heaven, set in stone, sealed by the Holy Spirit. But hell is the eternal punishment for non-believers. All right? And we talked about that last, the last two weeks. Um, and you can't have heaven without hell. There is no heaven if there is no hell. All right, so we, And if you want to understand where we stand on that, you've got to go back and listen to it. Then he shared that there's coming a day when there's no more second chances. All right? And we live in this world where we think that we've got all day long and all the time in the world, especially when we're young, we think we've got all the time in the world to be able to make that decision later. But we don't know when later is going to come. We don't know when our time is up. And so there will be a day when there are no more second chances. And we talk about the fact that God holds that time in his hands. We don't know when it will happen. And then we talked about the fact that God, the, the last point that Matt made was last week when he said that God is infinitely patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish. And a lot of people will say, well, God has been, he's been saying he's coming back for 2,000 years and it still hasn't happened. And so then we get all caught up on this idea of if he's going to wait and tarry that long, then I got all the time in the world to make this decision. But the reason why he's waiting is because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Right? And so there could literally be this church 10,000 years from now, or a building on this property 10,000 years from now. We don't know. We will not be here. All right? But the message of God will be true, and everything we've been talking about will be true no matter of culture, creed, race, or demographic or socioeconomic uh, position in life. It will be the truth of Christ that will transcend time. But he doesn't want anyone to perish. So if he tarries that long, that will be why he does. All right, now there's all kinds of beliefs along the way that whether or not he's going to wait that long. And it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, if you don't have Jesus, um, you're not going to get there. All right, and so then Matt gave us this incredible illustration, and I, I, I totally forgot to make them, so I apologize. So you're going to have to pretend with me this morning that I've got the two cans. Those of you that were here, you'll remember. Those of you that aren't are going to think I'm an idiot. So just, that's okay. You won't be the only ones. All right, so pretend I've got two cans up here. One says grace and the other one says justice, all right? And if you remember, Matt was doing an illustration and only Matt can do it. Like a little bit of grace over here and a little bit of justice over there and and he was up here spraying. I don't even know what was in the can. All right, but a little bit of grace, a little bit of justice as he thought it needed to be spread. But what we came to realize is that man doesn't get to hold the cans of grace and justice. Jesus holds the cans of grace and justice. Grace is heaven. Justice is hell. We learned that God, we have to have judgment. Justice is a judgment that God is going to execute upon this earth. So here's what I want us to understand. If, if God holds the cans of justice and grace, if that's true, so if what we've been talking about the last two weeks, if it's true, then guess what? 
he also gets to define the rules of life. If he gets to define the rules of eternity, then he gets to define the rules of life here on this earth. And we, just like we have to submit to his definition of eternity, we have to submit to the rules that he engages with us here on this earth. All right? that's, that's an option that we get to choose. All right, so as I was going through uh, life and understanding the more I grew in my faith and understanding of who God is and the question of, well, what's my purpose in life and what should I really do with this and, and how should I really um, spend the rest of my life, uh, I was a youth pastor in Oak Harbor when, when I came across a video clip that really helped me understand how to maximize what Christ has done in my life. And I don't know if you guys know the name Penn Jillette. Anybody know the name Penn Jillette? Anybody out there? All right. I grew up uh, like watching him and his magic. I said I grew up with him. I didn't in the first service. And people thought, did you know Penn? I, no, I didn't. I met, I grew up watching his magic. I was always mesmerized by his illusions. I thought he was amazing. But he was also one of the most outspoken uh, atheists ever. He still is, actually. Someone said, well, did he get saved? Because that sounded like a, a clip from a saved person. I'm like, not that I'm aware of. Um, and he's still not saved, trust me. Uh, based upon his own admission, all right? He, has, he is a very outspoken atheist even to this uh, day. Um, but there's a clip that changed my life as a youth pastor and as a pastor and just as a person, all right? And it came because of Pendulette, one of the most outspoken um, atheists of the time when I was growing up. Watch this. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever. And you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. I've always thought that. I've always written about that. How much would you have to hate someone to actually believe that heaven and hell are real and not tell them. Man, that was a powerful, convicting voice in my head, just as a person. Now, I chose the realm of being a pastor. I'm not telling you to go out there and be a pastor. I want that, I want that question to resonate in your mind as we go through this rest of the series and end the series today, is if everything that Matt said is true about eternity and heaven and hell for the last two weeks, if it's true, how much do we have to hate the world if we don't tell them? So think about that as we go through this. Now, as you walk through the doors this morning, right, you should have seen our, our mission statement. It's on the wall. You, if, every time you walk in this room, you see it. Now, I don't know if you pay attention to it or if you pay attention to what we say, but I want us to practice saying this because this is why Journey exists, right? We exist to... Very good. See, you got that one. All right. So because of this idea that we believe heaven and hell exist and we believe that eternity matters, that is why we exist as a church. To humbly point everyone to the absolute hope of Jesus Christ. We live in a world of relativity. We want, the world doesn't want you to stand upon absolute truth. All right. 
But we as a church believe that there is absolute truth, and his name is Jesus. It's the only absolute that we can point to, and we want to point people to that. Now, a little lesser known statement that we have is our vision statement. You also pass by this every single Sunday as you enter into the building. All right, the first service didn't quite get this one as well. Uh, I had to post it up there so you could read it with me. All right, but we are transformed. Yeah, see, you kind of like the first service. Yeah, it's like, what are, what are we? Uh, we are trans. Yeah, all right, we're that. We are transformed people changing our friends' lives by that same absolute hope. You see, if we really believe that heaven and hell are real, and we really believe that Jesus is the only way to get there, and we really believe that Jesus is the one who defines grace and justice, then we are transformed by that same message. And we get to go into the world, exit the building, and we are part of that transformation process that happens in our friends' lives. We believe that to the core of our being as a church. And we believe that if you believe that, it'll also change the way that you live. But you guys have to decide whether or not you believe that in your own lives. Now I want you to just take a brief second and I want you to look around the room. Look at everybody in the room right now, okay? Just, yeah, turn your heads, it's okay. Wave at your neighbor, say hi. Hey, didn't even know you came to church here. It's nice, all right, good to meet you. All right, the reality is this, if you don't know them, they don't know you. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. Here's the reality of what we're talking about this morning. Each one of you is walking through those doors. You have your own families. You have your own relationships. You have your own business places of work. You have your own places where you go to school and where you learn. You have your own entertainment circles of what you do for fun. You have your own lives that we are not privy to here in this room. And I guarantee you, if you don't know the people sitting next to you, you don't know the people that are involved in their lives. There are thousands of relationships that are represented between first service and second service here this morning. We, we are not challenging you to go to a new far-off country or a new world to start a new life. We're asking you to look at the life that you already have. God has already placed you in the midst of a sea of relationships where you can make a difference if you actually believe that you're a transformed person changing your friends' lives by the hope of Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain a couple things. As Matt has been talking about um, for the last two weeks, if this was true, you've got to ask yourself this question. Do you see yourself as an agent of transformation in all those relationships? Do you really see yourself, when you walk out those doors, how you can be used by the God creator of this universe to change people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because that's what, when, at the end of the day, through this series, we expect this to make a difference in the way that you relate with other humans. Do you see yourself as part of that process? Another thing that we do at Journey, and I don't know if you know this, this is behind the walls lingo, but when we talk about like if we had a target on the wall for every person that calls Journey home, if there are four things that we could identify in their life that would, I, would, would mark them as a follower of Christ and would be really growing in their faith, we call them our four core ambitions. You've probably heard us talking about them before, but it's partnering brings community. Yep, all right, go ahead and read them. Growing brings, serving brings, and leading, yeah. All right, so the first three are all different sermon series, all right? Part of it, we're hoping you're growing this morning too. Serving is outside the four walls. Volunteering is inside the four walls. Partnering is basically our idea, idea of having community within the church. But what we know about each one of these things as, as followers of Christ, 
people want community, all right? That one's not a hard one for people to like, all right? And if we don't get them there, they usually go and they find another church because they're like, well, I didn't find my fit, all right? So that's partnering. Then we have growing brings change. If you don't go to church that's helping you grow, people usually don't stick around very long either. Serving, they want to make sure that you're doing something in the community that makes a difference. But where a lot of Christians get hung up is on leading. And we're not talking about leadership. It's not talking about going out into the world and being a dynamic leader. Are you an A-type or a B-type, right? It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, are you leading people to Christ? Leading people to the hope of Jesus Christ. And we know that the majority of Christians, the majority of those who call upon the name of Jesus, never have led anybody to Jesus Christ. And, and when we, you, get to be a part of the veils coming off of someone's eyes, and then they get to see Jesus for the first time, it is one of the most spectacular moments you could ever be a part of in a person's life. And most of us are like virgins who don't even know what we're missing. We've never done it, so we don't even know what it's like to experience the fullness of God at work in our life where we get to be an agent of transformation. We have never seen it happen, so we don't even know what we're missing. And you're selling yourself short because what happens is we begin to have a bus that's operating on three wheels. And if you know anything about a bus, it doesn't go anywhere on three wheels. It's an incapacitated vehicle, and many of us are living purposeless lives as followers of Christ because one of our wheels has fallen off or has never even existed. And as a church, we want you to understand part of that is reason, the reason why is the transformation that is happening within you needs to go beyond the church. It needs to happen outside of the four walls. It needs to go with you into every relationship that you have outside of these four walls. So being a part of that life transformation process is a privilege. It's a privilege there's a passage of scripture that Matt continued to read from. Um, he started out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to continue to carry on the message uh, today through chapter uh, 5, verses 14 through 21. Sorry. Um, it says this, Either way, Christ lo Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all. Remember, right? Christ gets to hold the cans of grace and justice. He defines rules. Either way, Christ died for all. So then, because of that, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. The new covenant. Christ represents the new covenant. The old life represents the old covenant. Keep going. Christ died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for who? We live for others. Just like Penn Jillette was saying. If, if you actually believe this, you would treat others differently. We're no longer doing this for ourselves. We're not, we're not all just coming to a, a country club to hang out together. All right? We, don't, we no longer live for ourselves. So again, the bottom line for this, this is not in the passage of Scripture, but it's what we believe about eternity determines how we live today. Why? Because we're not living for ourselves any longer. You leave these doors, it's not about you. It's about who God has allowed you to be around. So because of that, instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them, right? We have access to the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. 
Keep going. I love this passage. This passage gets me all fired up. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Remember when Matt was holding the two cans? He's spraying a little bit here, a little bit there. Humans think that we get to hold the cans of justice and judgment and grace and who gets it. Who's good and who's bad. And everybody that you talk to that thinks that God is being unmerciful or somehow he created suffering, which he didn't, they're, they're holding the cans. They're saying, we hold the cans of this. But what we're saying is we've stopped evaluating humans from that because at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ the same way, like we got to define what grace and justice looked like. We were the owners of what was politically correct and how the message of Christ should come across to the world. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I hold the cans of grace and justice. You guys put them down, remember? And so because of that, we look at humanity differently because we know they're not answering our, our God. They're not answering our definition of truth. They're answering to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith and truth and justice. So now, how differently we know him now. How differently we know the truth. We exist to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. Again, that's not in the scripture, but this is the scripture of why we exist to humbly point them to the to the creator of this universe, the lover of their soul. Keep going. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. The old life, that's our sinful life. Remember, Jesus is the answer to the curse of the Old Testament. In the beginning of time, God created everything perfect. He saw all of his creation. It was good. He, man and God walked as one in the garden. Only at the point of sin entering in the world, we were kicked out of the garden. We were kicked out of that perfect union of relationship with the God creator of this universe. The whole rest of the Old Testament talks about the suffering and the sin and the shame. And everybody says, well, why did God? He didn't. He created goodness. Evil is the absence of good. We kicked God out of our lives because we started questioning him. And who is he to define the rules of life? You're no different than Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve are no different than us. If we would have been planted in the garden, we would have sin too. Why? Because we still do. Who is God to define what is right and wrong for my life? Um, he's God. Remember, Jesus holds the cans of truth and grace, and, and grace and justice. So, we are transformed people because of that, because we know that that old life is gone. Jesus is the answer to that old life. He satisfied that curse. He broke the curse. He brought that relationship back. Because of the work of Christ, we now walk in union with God once again. The same way we walked with them in the garden, we can walk with them again because of the work of Christ. He says, the keys to my kingdom I have given to you. Man, Jesus paved the way. He's the one that gave us all that his kingdom offers. Jesus did that. So we are transformed people changing our friends' lives by that absolute hope because we get the message. Keep going. That's not where it ends here. All of this, everything I've just been talking about, it's a gift from God. This transformation that happens within us, the keys to the kingdom of God, the peace that passes all understanding, it's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Remember, the separation that happened in the garden, Christ is bringing us back. That's that... That's what's happening. He's bringing us back to that perfect relationship. And here's where it gets awesome. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. You and me, God gave you and I the task of reconciling people, drawing them back 
to who God is and that creative purpose in their life. Keep going. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So when we get to this idea of judgment, when we accept Christ, the sins that are in our lives, we are no longer held accountable to them. My sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, your sins have been removed. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a believer, your sins are gone. You are not being judged on your sins. Remember, there is now therefore no more condemnation in Jesus Christ. Doesn't that get you excited? Like, there's grace. You guys are wet wood. All right, so just watch me burn, baby. All right, so God is good. Like, we carry the message of a life-changing transformation of a supernatural change that goes on in the inside. When I stand before my God or fall on my face, whatever that looks like, my sins are not what I'm going to be judged on. He's going to be like, what did you do with me? What did you do for all the atheists like the pendulettes who are walking far from me and want nothing to do with me? What did, you, what did you tell them about me? Or did you hate them so much that you didn't tell them about me? Or were you so worried about being politically correct you didn't tell them about me? He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave it to you and to I so that we... <laughs> are Christ's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador does? Just check out the impeachment process, all right? Watch what happens. An ambassador represents a country, right? An ambassador represents the authority by which they've been given to, to say things on behalf of their country. You're not an American citizen. Once you, are, once you are born of God, you are from another kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. You are God's child. You are bought with a price. You are his son or daughter. You represent God on this earth. Now, you might be a horrible ambassador or a really good ambassador, but nonetheless, an ambassador you are for Jesus Christ. And you will be judged one day on what you did with the God who sent you from his kingdom to live on the earth, the planet that you're on right now, for that brief little time we call life. And then one day you will be judged on what you did with that brief little time you called life with the God that sent you to represent him. For God, we speak for Christ. That's what an ambassador does. When we plead, come back to God. Remember the garden. We're so confused on the suffering thing because we forgot what God did in the garden. He made everything good. And Jesus said, bring it back to the good. We forget how good God is. And Jesus said, plead with people to come back to him. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Woo! I love that passage. Man, I love that passage. I hope that you can go back and you can digest that passage and you can just let that passage speak to you. You have been given authority by the God of this universe to represent him in every relationship that you have. Every relationship. And whether you want to be his ambassador or not, the moment that you chose to make him your God, you became his ambassador. That is a beautiful thing. You have been given all authority. Jesus says, I have given you all authority on earth as I have in heaven. My keys to my kingdom I have given you while you are here on earth and I am in heaven. I give you everything you need. I've given you everything you need to build the life that you need to build. And just as a, as a point of reference here, um, Jesus 
we, we oftentimes think that if we hold on to this message, we're not going to offend anybody. I just really want to clear the air. Jesus' message was politically and religiously incorrect 2,000 years ago. They didn't like it then, so do you think the world's going to like it now? And just, just to remind you of what happened and how politically and religiously incorrect it was for Jesus to say what he said, um, he kind of got crucified. Just in case you're in wonder of this. Like, we don't have to apologize for Jesus' message of truth. We are not the authors. We don't hold the cans of political correctness. Jesus is the one who represents truth. Our role in this world, our role in this world, we just get to declare that truth. But you have to ask yourself, when you, when you are talking about Christ with others, or you go out into this world and you think about yourself with, as an ambassador, think about what Penn said. How much do you have to hate someone? How much do you have to hate them to not tell them about what you believe to be true? I hope those words ring in your ears, not as a point of condemnation, but of a point of inspiration. Because really what we're doing is if we hold on to it, what we're saying is we are actually the ones who get to determine whether or not someone deserves to go to heaven or hell. That's really what you're saying. So really what happens, if we don't tell people, we pick the cans of justice and grace back up. And we determine who in our circles and in our roles of life and our relationships of life, we determine who gets to hear the message of transformation? Man, we don't. We, we shouldn't. God wants to use you in every single one of the relationships that you have. Jesus has delivered us from all of the sin and all the shame, all the condemnation. He holds our sins against us no longer. He was risen from the dead for you and for me so that we could experience the fullness of his relationship so that we could be brought back into union with him. That's the message of hope that we carry with us. It's that simple. And yet we choose to hold on to it because we oftentimes don't want to be ridiculed. So again, when we think about this idea of truth or grace and justice, I keep saying truth, I mean justice, because justice is truth. When we, when we think about that, this is what I really want you to come away with thinking about that. We don't get to hold the cans. We get to declare the truth. We don't get to define what truth and justice is. We get to declare to the world around us what Jesus said is the truth. Now, I do have a disclaimer with that, just so that I can take some weight off your shoulders. I don't believe that anyone's eternity is based upon my obedience. Let me say that again. I do not believe that anybody's eternity hangs in the balance of my obedience i believe that my rewards for eternity hang in the balance of my obedience okay let me say that again someone your eternity does not hang in the balance of whether or not donnie is a good enough christian to win you over to jesus but donnie's reward in heaven and whether god looks at me when i get there and when i bow down before him and I get to be judged by everything that I sent before me, everything that I do down here gets judged on whether or not he's going to say, good, good job, Donnie. Well done, my good and faithful service. All my rewards that I could send before me are based upon my obedience down here. But someone's eternity doesn't. Now, other pastors disagree with me on that, and that's fine. They can. I don't care. 
but I don't believe it's my, I don't wear the weight of someone's choice. I wear the weight of my choice. I wear the weight of what I do with my Jesus. And my Jesus is the one who talks about the one in the Bible. All right? The scriptures define what we are to do with Jesus. So when I get to heaven, this reward system that Matt talked about, there's a passage, one of my favorite passages to go to, to help us understand, like, okay, what's this idea of reward? Like, what do you mean you get rewarded when you get to heaven? Well, I'm glad you asked, actually, because I got a verse for it, all right? So, uh, great question, by the way, all of those of you that were wondering about it. All right, for no one can lay any foundation other than one we already have, Jesus Christ. So everything we do as a follower of Christ, everything is based upon what we do with Jesus. There's nothing else, right? There's no other foundation. You can't, you can't, you, if you start anywhere else, you're just wrong, all right? You can't start on, and that's the scripture. You can't lay another foundation. His name is Jesus. Now, anyone who builds on that foundation, so we're judged on what we do with that foundation. Anyone that builds on that foundation can use a variety of materials. You, all y'all, can use gold, silver, or jewels or wood, hay, and straw, or wood, hay, and stubble, according to some translations. And this is out of the New Living Translation, if you're wondering. But on the judgment day, remember, all souls are judged. Okay, that's from the sermon series, not the scriptures. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. You and I are each builder. The fire is the fire of Christ's truth, the fire of his eyes. There's another passage that talks about his eyes are like a blazing fire. Why? You want to know why you avoid looking into someone's eyes when they're, they're, it's like they're penetrating into you? It's because you're afraid of what they're going to see. Well, guess what we look into the eyes of Jesus? Good Lord, I can't even imagine. He is going to judge every single thing that I have given to him. He'll see right through the motivation. The fire will reveal what kind of work I have given to him. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Gold, silver, jewels, they're not destroyed by fire, are they? They're purified. Or, if the work survives, that builder then will receive a what? So my obedience on earth earns me some type of reward. I don't know what those rewards are. I haven't been, I'm not dead yet. So it's going to be something. And it's going to be from God. So if it's a king and I get a reward from a king based upon how I obey him and serve him, that's going to be pretty good. Yeah, all right, because it's a kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's got to be a pretty sweet reward because watch what happens if I don't have good motivations and I don't use gold, silver, and precious gems. Watch what happens if you don't. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. Why? Because you built your whole life upon nothing. The builder, though, will be saved. Remember, our sins, our sins are what cast people to hell. And we are not judged on our sins. We're judged on what we did with Jesus. Remember, the foundation is Jesus. What did you do with Jesus? Not what did you do with sin. The judgment is based upon what did you do with Jesus. The builder will be saved. You will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So my, the balance of my eternity is already sealed. Heaven's a pretty good reward. Already. Pretty sweet. Backup plan. Heaven. Not a bad reward. But if I can bow down before God and I can lay my life down at the feet of Christ, because that's, by the way, what we're going to do. And here it is. And everything I did for God is in that little box. He's going to flip the lid up. 
is there going to be anything I did for him in there? And then he's going to, if there is stuff that I did for him in there, then he's going to look at it. And then he's going to judge it. He goes, yeah, that was selfish. Yeah, you got your, you got your reward down on earth on that one. You posted on Facebook all about that, so you got your likes. Um, yeah, you were just having a bad day and you wanted people out of your house, so you pretended like you're nice. All right. Um, so he's going to judge each one of those. I might have said it was for Jesus, but he's going to see the truth of the motivation. He's going to take a look at the box of material that I sent before me. And he's going to judge whether or not it gets redeemed with any type of a reward. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God too? And we bring our offerings to the temple. And that the Spirit of God lives in you. You have the Spirit of God inside of you. Keep going. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. For everything belongs to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or Don or Matt or Shin, Chris, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. Everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Everything, everything you need to build a life of reward in heaven has been given to you. Doesn't matter what church you go to. Doesn't matter what country you're from, doesn't matter what your socioeconomic background is, doesn't matter what race you are, doesn't matter what your demographic situation is. You have been given everything you need for your eternal reward in heaven. Everything. So we get to decide how are we going to be rewarded. Now, rewards are based upon what we do with Christ. How we are rewarded is based upon uh, Jesus looking inside the box. I want to give you three verses to help you guard your motivation, all right? So... Um, says this in Matthew 6, 1. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will, you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, this is a verse I like to use uh, for all social media. Okay? Um, great. If you, like your if, you, if you want your like, post it. All right? Get your like, get your heart, get whatever. Put it on social media. That's your reward. Good job. Check your motivation. In the first service, I said, before you post, check yourself. Right? All right? So, just check your motivation. Why do, we, why do we want to tell everybody what we're doing? Is it genuinely because we just are trying, that's how we engage with people? Okay. Or is it really because you just want everybody to know how good you are? That's a motivation of the heart. Only you and God know the truth. Check yourself. Don't call attention to yourself. Let others do that for you. That's what the Bible says. Another one says this. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. We need to be more concerned about what God thinks of us than what the world thinks of us. We've got to, our identity has to come from what God says of us. Our purpose needs to come because of what we do with this idea of eternity when we walk out those doors. You have on your seats in front of you a little card. It looks like this. There it is. All right. You're either sitting on it or it's one there in front of you. It's called your circle of responsibility. Here's what I want you to hear me saying. I am not telling you to go become a pastor. I'm not telling you to go stand up on stage. I'm not telling you to go stand on a, get a soapbox and a bullhorn and tell everybody about Jesus, all right? That's not what I'm saying at all. You have a circle of life, all right? And inside your circle, you can look at it. There's sporting events, friends, family, school, marriages, neighbors, businesses, entertainment. You're already doing these things. Every single one of you already has a circle in which you exist. 
It's where we live, learn, work, and play. All right? You don't have to go define a new you. All we're asking you to do through this series, how does eternity make a difference in the daily life that you live? We want you to look at your circle differently. We want you to look at your circle with intentionality. Look at those, those relationships that you already have. I guarantee you already have them. Now, you might not notice all of them, but you have them. On the back side of this, you have your top five. We use this language to just challenge you to be thinking about five people. Not five people that you know are close to God. Five people that you know are like Penn Jillette, who are living far from God. They might be the atheist in your circle. They might be the co-worker that you can't even stand, that they suck in your oxygen in the office, all right? Put their name on here, okay? They're the people that are walking far from God. You see, when we understand that we put the cans of justice down and the cans of grace down, we look at humanity differently. And so I'm not, I'm not even asking you to change your whole life in all the circle. I'm asking you just write down five names of people. Start praying for them. Start seeking God for an opportunity for you to be able to speak life and hope and this message of transformation into their life. It will transform you. You will experience the work of God in your life in a way you've never imagined. He will open up doors of communication and opportunity. You're like, wow, all I had to do is start praying for him and now I can start witnessing to him and you're going to start looking at their life from a whole new lens and you might actually have a friend in an atheist that you never knew about. You might have a friend and someone who is so far from God right now, and all they need is someone who loves them unconditionally. You know, kind of like how God loves them. And you're an agent of God. Remember that? So all you have to do is write down those five names and start praying for them. And then post it on your refrigerator, and then remind yourself every time you're physically hungry to pray for those who are spiritually hungry and they don't even know it. Okay? Put it somewhere where it's going to be a constant reminder for you to pray for them and ask God to have, let you be a process of transformation in their life. I guarantee you when you do that, it'll change the relationship that you have with them. So we're asking you, we're asking you a transformed people. You, you've already been given access to everything that you need. So we're just asking you to look at your circle intentionally. Look at it a little bit differently. When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to thanksgiving dinner this week with all the relatives you know some of the ones that you're glad you live a long ways away from you are an agent of transformation in their life there's a passage of scripture that i want to close on here this morning it comes out of the book of timothy and this is what's going to happen if you actually take this i just want to encourage you guys with this so proclaim the message with intensity not a flamethrower like you're burning everybody with the truth and then you leave a wake of destruction in your path. Remember, we're humbly pointing them to the absolute hope of Christ. All right? Proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. Don't ever quit with this. Keep going. You, you're going to find that there are going to be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching. You're going to go to your gatherings and your workplaces and you're going to tell them about Jesus. And you're going to be like, oh, they aren't there yet. Don't give up. They'll fill up on spiritual junk food, catchy opinions that tickled their fancy or the next famous podcast. They're going to turn their backs on truth and they're going to chase a mirage. But you, each one of you who have been transformed by Christ, you keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times because they're going to come along with the good, because they're going to come too. And keep the message 
of the hope of Christ, the absolute hope of Christ. Keep the hope, the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant or God's ambassador. We challenge you as you walk out those doors, think about this series, this message of eternity. How does it change your life today? When you walk out those doors, be an agent of transformation. Be an agent of transformation. Live on mission with God. That's why he came down here. We don't, we don't do this world for ourselves anymore. We're here for those who are in our circle. God let you be born at this time, at this moment, in this country, in this community, for a purpose and on purpose. And it's to glorify his name in the relationships that you already have. All he asks you to do is live intentionally with the message that has changed your life already. It's that simple. And when we do that, we get to experience the fullness of God, the creator of this universe, at work within us. And it is revolutionizing to our inner soul when you get on board with Jesus like that. I want that for each of you today. So I, let's close in a word of prayer. And I would be remiss this morning because there could be some of you here today that haven't ever submitted your life to Christ. And I can't talk about this today without giving you that opportunity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if that time when I was talking about the freedom that Christ gives us, the, the new life, the old has gone, the new has come, if you have never made a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I just want you to raise your hand this morning. I want to pray with you. We've had nine give their life to Christ so far through the series. We want to keep it going. If that's you today and you're like, you know what? I've been like Penn Jillette my whole life and I have kept God at an arm's distance and it's time for me to say, you know what? I believe Jesus is who he says he is and I want to surrender my life to him today. If you want to do that today, just slip your hand up this morning and I want to pray with you this morning. That's your desire this morning. And then I want to challenge the rest of us. Those of you that have already lived a transformed life and you know that you have called upon Jesus, I want you to say a prayer with me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because some of you may not want to do this. But I'm going to say a prayer and I just want you to join with me in my prayer because this is my prayer every single day. And my prayer is as a follower of Christ. And I invite you to join with me on this prayer this morning. Let's pray. Dear God, I just come before you right now. I thank you that I get to live on mission with you. God, I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you forgive me for the fact of all of my selfish motivation and all the times I've put myself before you. Help me to intentionally look at those that you've put in my circle. Help me to see them through the eyes of Christ. God, I ask that you break my heart for people the way that your heart is broken for people. And God, give me the boldness to be able to speak on your behalf in the relationships that you have given to me. And forgive me for all the times where I fail at that. And all God's people said, amen.